two YouTube stars, Logan Paul and Psy, mm-hmm. and released a whole series of drinks called Prime. It's banned, right? So the FDA approves the overdose-reversing drug Narcan for over-the-counter sales. This is something that triggers all of those societal phobias around mm-hmm. drug addicts mm-hmm. and addiction and giving them easy access and gateway drugs. Coffee is just borrowing some energy. It's not mm-hmm. creating new energy from scratch. If you keep drinking coffee, you will sure. feel alert for an amount of time. And then by 2pm, you're rubbing it into your gums. <laughs> the views expressed in this podcast are our own opinions and thoughts. They do not reflect the views of our employers. So I do all the editing for the podcast. We do have some fancy editors that we outsource <laughs> this to. And we collectively, between the two of us, have a common vocal tick. Can you guess what that is? Oh, I don't know. You don't know? I know I say um a lot, but I think... Oh, I that's, 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 that's universal. <laughs> I try and remove the ums. We both like to say, that's right. Oh, I was going to say that. Yeah, we both agree say. with each other a little too much. We think each other are full of good ideas, maybe when we don't have such good ideas. If only. If no one else listens, at least we validate each other. That is our vocal thing. I only noticed it recently. I just It feels very natural to tell your co-host that they're right. It just feels right. Wrong. Wrong. You're wrong. That's wrong, actually. It just contradicts <laughs> you. It would be more exciting if we disagree yeah. with each other all the time. Welcome to Crossover Connections with Jack Wayne. This is episode six of our running podcast, talking about science, technology, and education in an effort to understand the broader field, the broader sphere of scientific and technology headlines. We are both operating and working within an area of science and innovation. I work within microbiology and I also teach as a professor at an Australian university. Amanda? Yeah, I work as a manager of clinical research. And between the two of us, we have a certain amount of expertise and a certain amount of overlap in our understanding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the more we read, the more we realize the vast breadth of all the knowledge Mm -hmm. out there, Mm -hmm. especially in science and especially in biology, I think. No biologist is exactly the same as another biologist, I think. It's a huge field. We divide our own little fiefdoms up into Mm sub-disciplines and Mm sub-sub-disciplines and we're all trying to grapple with it. So this is our effort to make sense of the headlines and hopefully our journey in making sense of headlines is of interest to you, someone who may be further along their journey or or further back in the journey. And this is our new recurring segment in the podcast where we address previous segments on previous episodes of the podcast. This is called The Connect. The first headline that relates to a topic we talked about previously. California's plan for cheaper insulin collides with big farmers price cuts. Back in episode four, I believe, we talked about the idea of insulin having a dramatic price cut by Eli Lilly at that time. Mm -hmm. I think the other makers of insulin might have followed suit. And we weren't sure why exactly that was happening. It was quite a dramatic price cut and it was announced as a hallelujah. That's true because there was a huge uh, price discrepancy between what people are paying across different countries for essentially the same drug. And I wouldn't say Eli Lilly was being lauded and celebrated, but certainly that was a few good headline. Everyone who has type 2 diabetes or diabetes would need some version of insulin. Eli Lilly is one of the three big makers of it, so they're kind of their prices. That's good for everyone. Now, this headline is actually not a surprise to me at all in that this price cut was in response to a move that maybe we are finding out now, mm, but potentially now, they it? had more behind the scenes. Another competitor coming into the market, wasn't it? The state of California and USA has amazing purchasing power it seems i think in of itself it can be considered a a country in terms of its gdp they had agreed on a 50 million dollar government contract to a not-for-profit called civica to make Mm -hmm. an insulin not an alternative but essentially a non-branded version of insulin that's not through one of the three big makers uh, eli Lilly, sanofi and novo nordisk i believe the three brand name insulins Mm -hmm. and for those of you who do take insulins it's really important to take the same one the same kind of insulin again and again because even just a slight miscalculation and how much you you prescribe for the day could really throw off all the things that you're eating and you're living. The government has endorsed a competitor against Mm -hmm. these drug companies. Mm -hmm. So when that happens, 
the reaction in a competitive landscape is to say, what can we do to short circuit that or circumvent this? Mm-hmm. And it's to bring the price down, isn't it? So mm-hmm. they are just as cheap, if not cheaper than this alternative. Not to mention, the alternative still needs federal approval. The goal of offering cheaper medicine than brand name companies may be much harder to achieve now, now that those major drug makers have decided to significantly drop sticker prices on some products. And also any new drug that's made. Mm is not just going to be rubber stamped and rolled out and needs to go through some kind of approval. Mm -hmm. And they estimate that to be about two years. That's right. So this non-for-profit, good intentions and all, is two years behind the eight ball with a product that might be outcompeted price-wise before it even gets rolled out. Very true. So it's a Mm. ruthless business. The cherry on top to this is the extra additional revelation that insulin apparently wasn't a biggest moneymaker for these drug companies anyway, that they've got alternative products, newer drugs for diabetes and obesity Mm -hmm. that make even more of the money for these companies. So Mm -hmm. they've been in this game, they've got to protect their turf, they've got to really behead the game. This just shows how quickly moving this landscape is. And again, if you're someone who has their insulin from a specific provider, and if that pricing changes, your quality of life changes dramatically, this is a tough spot to be in. It's true, you can feel very much at the mercy of it all, can't you? I mean, when the the prices are fluctuating all over the place, Mm. just want some consistency in what's going on, wouldn't you? So we're going to keep an eye on it. Watch the space. Maybe Civica's alternative will come onto the market much quicker. It's always a good thing to have more competition in the market. Definitely, but it's not easy. Price is competitive for everyone. But it's not easy. Even with $50 million from the government, you could come to market with a failed product Mm -hmm. in terms of its pitch. That's true, it needs a lot of approvals to come through still. And the next article is now a recurring (laughs) sub-segment on the Connect, which we've titled Batwatch. Reclamation Project for the Reputation of Our Noble Bats. For non-repeat listeners, we may have unintentionally vilified these innocent creatures. So this is about rectifying their reputation. And they carry a whole bunch of different viruses and those viruses don't make them sick. Mm -hmm. They've got an amazing immune system. They're super, super fit from flying all the time. And they do fly all the time and everywhere in an increasingly urbanized environment and they affect everyone and everything. We're just jealous. We give them a bad name, but Mm. microbats. What's what's the story here? Microbats affected by recent cold snap could take refuge in people's For those of you watching in the online video version through YouTube, you will see a nice, as cute and cuddly, I guess, as a bat look picture. It's it's like a baby bat. If I found one of these, I probably would have thought it was a baby bat or some kind of mutant mouse. Some kind of mutant mouse. <laughs> like a mighty mouse, maybe. Yeah. And and I think the thing here is it's been found in places that people don't typically expect to find mm-hmm. bats. Okay. Increasing volatility in weather patterns, certainly mm-hmm. in this part of Australia and mm-hmm. New South Wales, is making it so that their ecosystem and their habitats are even more disrupted than usual. Right. Of course, with urbanization and sort of like housing renovations and that kind of stuff. It makes sense, but I didn't even know microbats were a thing. So now again, we, I know nothing. Now, now we know. Maybe this is the, <laughs> the softer, cuddlier, fuzzier version of bats. That's right. There's some bat PR team thinking of rolling this so out. What can we talk about next? Microbats. Microbats. Maybe they listen to this podcast. <laughs> the, the cuter, fluffier version of bats. Maybe they've really taken mm. offense to our small podcast, offending the honor of these noble For creatures. For those few, very few listeners, rescuers have seen increased call-outs to microbats in a broken hill on the back of weather fluctuations. Mm. Tens of thousands of the bats roost through buildings and trees in the far west New South Wales city. At least six different species of microbat have been recorded by rescuers. Now, I am not a copy editor for any news organization, Mm -hmm. very thankfully. That's a very, very detail-oriented job I'm not Mm -hmm. cut out for. But I would say this article is sending mixed messages. Because on one hand, (laughs) 
is trying to paint this cute, cuddly version of bats, micro bats. They keep Here's the, a little micro bat. So it's vulnerable. roosting in your jacket. You can just find wants the, a warm space to live. You can find your jacket on these screen doors. Please protect them. Mm-hmm. But then what does the subheading say? It says micro bats can carry contagion. Now you could say that in a way that's not quite so aggressive. You don't you? have to use the word contagion. So let's have a go. How would okay. you rewrite this subheading? Instead of saying micro bats can carry contagion. Um, it's part of our bat reclamation project. You have to make them seem a little less dangerous. I was going to say microbats may carry disease may but carry i don't disease. know that's, that, that's that, much better i think that's, that's worse not... microbats may be infectious that's not that great either no. is it infectious versus contagion contagion just sounds bad i'm sorry contagion <laughs> sounds like it's kind of nuclear uh, that's right nuclear bomb of uh, something of is just going to spread throughout the whole population if you touch a bat Constant. and we can't say microbats are dirty dirty bats oh, yeah, filthy filthy animals <laughs> Warning, microbats are particularly filthy. Can't say that, no. This time of the no year. we can't say that. Yeah, so, I don't know. Maybe the copy editor did a great job. Maybe here. they did a great job. Maybe we're critiquing again from a place of ignorance and not realizing just <laughs> Sorry, how hard it is microbats. To, to reclaim it. You are the cuter version the cuter of your version. larger, super, super fit cousins. To juxtapose the negativity implied by can carry mm-hmm. contagion, cute little image of it. In a little jacket. In a jacket. In a okay. little jacket, yeah. right? Or maybe a cartoon schematic of it to mm-hmm. help communicate it. Mm-hmm. But I think people have the right idea in mind. These people who are very caring towards the animals. Mm-hmm. I'll call the service yep. or yep, I'll right. protect it myself. But mm-hmm. not knowing that these are actually very, very fit things that may carry viruses or may carry contagion and then you'll get infected. Not, I- not ideal to touch a bat. Please don't touch bats. Yep. Despite- so I guess the advice is to call a wildlife carer Yes. Uh, if you encounter... A microbat. And the next headline in the connect is all around the tech industry and the tech layoffs that are happening. Meta, Amazon, parent company, Amazon. All these layoffs. Maybe Apple and Disney and all these people okay. with tech divisions. Mm-hmm. They're firing lots and lots of people. Mm-hmm. And these are usually people with a lot of education, a lot of skills. Many of these are engineers who mm-hmm. traditionally mm-hmm. are immune to these kind of layoffs because they are the most skilled laborers within their relative organizations. Sure. They're yeah. a little bit mm-hmm. harder to replace. How any person survives within this landscape of finding jobs and how we bolster our employability is really up in the air. Now, what's interesting about this article is that the thesis here is very much Australian-centric. Right. And it's saying if you work in tech or you would like to work in tech, the grass is not always greener. The Silicon Valley greener pastures mm-hmm. of constant innovation, record profits, doesn't seem to be driving innovation at the same pace. No, is that- it? So once yeah, that it may have ended. Remote work becoming more feasible. International collaboration becoming more feasible. You might mm-hmm. not need to go to the US That's to true. relocate and move your whole family just to find this job in a startup that may crumble within six or 12 months. Interesting parallel to our sector of research, isn't mm-hmm. it? So mm-hmm. in your experience, what has been the perception of people who choose to stay in one country for their whole careers doing research versus being a global adventurer in terms of science Yeah, and I think quite unfairly so in a lot of aspects. It's not seen favorably if you choose to stay in Australia after you finished your PhD. It's quite common for someone to travel overseas, the US, UK, Europe, do a postdoc, and it's viewed very favorably, especially upon return to Australia. And often you have these very well-funded, quite powerful laboratories in these countries, and it's seen very positively for you to work for them. And then when you come back, that's that's making you more competitive for funding and fellowships. That's the traditional model. Model. The traditional and model. I think mm. that's still very much in place because those research powerhouses mm. are very much research factories mm-hmm. in a way. You know, they've got all the facilities, all the equipment. It's true. They've I got mean, the legendary mm. PIs that have just got 20 years worth of track mm-hmm. record and 
if you go work for them, their name alone carries so much weight. Famous in our field, essentially. Yep. Mm. If you work for <laughs> famous, fam famous, important principal investigators in our field. Yeah, so you go work for... Well, who publish high impact. You go work for someone who's won a mm -hmm. Nobel Prize in your field, for instance, and mm, then you yes. just take a little piece of it yep. away. That experience is very hard to reconcile. If you're a young researcher or you've got a young family, that's yes. a really difficult transition yeah. on proof. For as many success stories as we've heard, there are just as many flame outs. As with anything, mm. it's competitive. So you can make this dramatic move and mm -hmm. lose all the advantage of your connections within your your own mm -hmm. country mm -hmm. to try and chase this thing much yeah. like the silicon valley pursuit yeah. of this this bubble so nowadays i know quite a few researchers who have international impact without necessarily moving to mm -hmm. a new country mm -hmm. and they gain the benefit of those local domestic networks maybe instead of moving to another country you can move interstate i think the key here is independence how can you prove that you are the one driving the initiative mm -hmm. if you go overseas but you're still not driving it you're at the mercy of someone else's intellectual input mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then that's still not going to be perceived as you being the person that is the key instigator and investigator behind all of it and behind this is a really useful lesson for employability in that your perceived value as an employee mm -hmm. is not actually about what you've done if you can go and prove your market value somewhere else in an external setting mm -hmm. and when you bring that value back you must be amazing other people think you're great it's not just us that think you're good but you must be doing really well if you can convince other people that you're really great the only way to keep up with that rat race is to try and learn new skills and never be content with the portfolio of roles and the types of tasks that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And that can be very challenging and intimidating here if you're a young graduate. And the key here is that you have to keep trying to learn new things to never be very easily defined as a known quantity. Mm -hmm. Whether it be going to Silicon Valley, you're joining a startup or going to a different research laboratory halfway around the world. If you do that, but you're not adding more to your mystique as mm -hmm. an individual employee, then there will be up to pin you down and say well you fit in this little box I'll, here's I'll, a bunch of other people who do as well i can rank you very mm -hmm. easily mm -hmm. so then you're worth this much or you're not competitive mm -hmm. in other sphere versatility and adaptability is really key here i would like to think that undertaking a phd enables a lot of these personalities to be trained really to learn new skills and to not be intimidated by taking on something new but oftentimes it goes the other way too and people very much reside within their niche and don't branch out enough. I think that it is a very selective training process that is not suited for everyone. Mm -hmm. But for those that can go through it, you will not learn any more in your whole life, I would argue, than during your PhD because you will have to magically summon knowledge <laughs> from right. nothing. That's kind that's of right. it, right? It's a magic it's trick. It's really about answering a question that's not known, isn't it? Complexities in that force you to mm -hmm. find skills and mm -hmm. develop skills you didn't know you needed. And that's right. Ask the questions that you had no idea you even needed to know the answers to. Mm -hmm. You have to be adaptable, I think. Can't do this. How else could I go about it? What skills could I learn? Who could I contact to give advice on this? And for those of you who are just about to finish your PhD, you're very close to finishing a PhD or feel like you should be very close to finishing a PhD. <laughs> I think that's the trap a lot of us fall into and in that mm -hmm. we think we're training for one very specific job in the PhD. PhD and that's to become an academic. But as soon as you step outside of the academic arena, you'll very quickly realize people in all sorts of sectors don't think about problems the way that scientists, academically minded researchers think mm -hmm. about it. And you know, this problem solving mindset is 
incredibly valuable out there in the marketplace. And if you go to a different sector, all of a sudden your scientific training becomes a really rare unicorn type skill set that's very mysterious. I don't look at a problem and think it just can't be done mm. most of the time. And I think that's a training skill set that's come from the PhD. It's more how would we go about this? What could we do? What could we do instead? How else might we answer the question? A lot of people with PhDs don't realize the skill set that they have and they feel very much stuck within their niche, don't they? And they don't realize their versatility. And I'll reiterate this. Employability is not actually about what you've done. That's kind of your CV, but your CV does not make you employable. Employability is how you articulate and explain what you've done in the past and how that translates into the next thing that you're doing. Fundamentally a communication skill rather than just what you've done previously. Mm -hmm. Make your CV a living and breathing document and articulate it to the next potential employer. That is the roundup of all the articles we talked about <laughs> previously. And now we're going to move on to the actual new articles that have made the headlines okay. this week in science, tech and productivivity or careers. South Australia records first measles case in three years with more expected as global case numbers grow. Measles is, of course, an infectious disease that most people thought was a thing of the past, given that measles vaccinations really much reached saturation point and Measles cases were non-existent for very, very many mm -hmm. years. But now this is a South Australian example. A three-year-old boy has tested positive to measles in South Australia. More measles cases are expected after global immunisation levels dropped during the COVID-19 pandemic. People born between 1966 and the mid-1980s should check they are fully vaccinated against measles. That's us, isn't it? We're born in the mid-1980s. We should probably double check. Double check that we're born then or double yeah. check that we're vaccinated. No, no, no. My mind is quite foggy, but it's not that muddled. I do know the year that I was born. So mid-1980s, we should probably check our measles vaccinations are up to scratch or we don't need a booster shot. This was a thing of the past. I mean, it's the MMR vaccine, right? Yes, measles, that's right. rubella, which is routine as part of infant vaccination mm -hmm. schedules. Vaccination rates across the board, across the globe have dropped. dropped. Mm -hmm. I don't want to speculate all the reasons this happened. It's multifactorial to say the least. It is a combination of poor communication, poor education, misinformation, online hysteria, all these things. It's not a great situation to be in. Here's my thesis on this. It's only reached this level of hysteria because of the delivery mechanism mm -hmm. of vaccines. Mm -hmm. Because people are willing to pop all sorts of things into their mouths. And the amount of recreational drug use, if it's something you smoke or something you eat, yep. people are willing to Put eat. Put it on your face. Yeah, yeah people are willing to do anything. Yeah. But it's mm -hmm. just the jabby jab. Right, they're just scared of the jabby jab. And that has started all now of this hysteria. Now you've given it a name. I don't feel so fearful anymore. I, the doctor goes, oh, time for your measles jabby jab. I, I, but I, actually, I, you're a grown adult. I will maybe find it a bit condescending, but then I would appreciate <laughs> their attempt to make me feel at ease. To years. communicate, yeah. Yeah, I could definitely vaccination every year. And mm -hmm. the nurses do always kind of look at me and say, you know, are you are you good with needles? Are you going to be you okay? Mm -hmm. They do that to you or is it just, I look like a wimp? They ask Sometimes. Me? Sometimes. That's just good. Not all the time. I had one who was amazing a couple of years ago I actually didn't feel anything and and you think oh yeah, whatever like, right. what do you mean but no I actually didn't feel anything and I was concerned that maybe she hadn't injected me or something until my arm started feeling a little bit sore afterwards okay and when I went and compared my experience with my colleagues they said yeah that that injector was amazing is it what's going on okay. the nurses really do a lot of the grunt work don't they and they do. so they're the main injectors if you talk to any immunologist they'll say back when people had iron lungs no one complained about vaccines and back when people had polio no one complained about vaccines it was just so visible 
people on the street when people weren't vaccinated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But these vaccines have protected us for so many years that people are oblivious to mm-hmm. the protective benefits. They have, and measles is one of these things that has been forgotten because it was and remains highly, highly transmissible. To be honest here, I'll be frank, I'm a bit tired of talking about COVID. I talk about it all the time in my work and people always ask me about COVID as a microbiologist, but it is an easy entrance into people's consciousness, mm-hmm. having something to compare it against. Measles versus COVID, which mm-hmm. is more infectious. There is one measure that you have would have seen, which is the measure of uh, R0. It is the basic reproduction number. It equates to the number of people that one person will infect. So if you have one person infected with that pathogen, mm-hmm. how many more people will they infect? This is subject to loss of variability. If you're in a more crowded place versus in a not crowded place, mm-hmm. if you're in a population that's very highly vaccinated versus not, the R0, the basic reproduction number, will change. The article here, which is from the conversation, original ancestral SARS-CoV-2 had an R naught of about three. Mm-hmm. So one okay. person yep. on average would affect about three, three. people, mm-hmm. give or take. With the newer strains of COVID being closer to eight to 10, one person will affect 10 people. So that's the most transmissible strains of COVID or variants of COVID that exist. Measles has an R naught of 12 to 18, up to twice mm-hmm. as more transmissible mm-hmm. as the most transmissible forms of COVID. Mm-hmm. Very, very dangerous especially if it affects infants. This brings me back to my thesis that this is a very preventable thing. Yes, exactly. Many of the vaccines are nowhere near as contentious as the, the COVID vaccine mm-hmm. has been, rightly or wrongly. And it is to do with the fear of the jabby jab. To further cement my thesis, I will present as my argument two recent headlines okay. on drugs that are Go just on. as controversial, if mm-hmm. not more controversial. FDA approves new nasal spray to treat migraine headaches in adults, Pfizer says. So this is to treat migraines, which is not, a universal affliction, I would say, mm-hmm. but it's certainly something people mm-hmm. know exists as a condition. I think they say it's migraines. about 10% of the general population. So if you don't have migraines, females. if you do have migraines, you will know someone with mm-hmm. migraines. Mm-hmm. And this medication, it is a drug that is marketed as Zavspret. It sounds a little Russian, actually, Zavspret. How does this drug work? It blocks the calcitonin gene-related peptide, or CGRP. Mm-hmm. So my understanding is that it blocks it from binding to its receptor. And mm-hmm. how cells receive information from their external surroundings That's is right. they have receptors. They stick out from the cell surface. Mm-hmm. They have a little pocket that should bind something. Mm-hmm. Receptors with the clearest single function mm-hmm. will usually bind to one very specific type of molecule. And the then a certain transmission comes through the cell and some kind of cellular response occurs. So there's a receptor on the cell surface, mm-hmm. it binds to something specifically, that's gets right. that signal, and then that's a sign, hey, cell, do something. In response to this calcitonin gene-related peptide, or CGRP, CGRP, I think, has been known about for quite a while, and its implication in migraine. It's essentially been implicated in level of pain, as well as how long a migraine attack lasts for. Mm. And there's actually a lot of new classes of drug which target this particular peptide in some way, either by blocking it itself, the CGRP, from binding to its receptor or by blocking the receptor. And there's a number of injectable drugs that have been approved, I think, fairly recently in Australia. Once it come to mind, I am Galaty and I think there's an infusion for Yepti. But in this case, they're talking about a new mechanism of delivery. A nasal spray. Mm, that's and, right. And I, I don't suffer migraines myself. Mm-hmm. Do you suffer migraines? I, I do get migraine attacks, yes. And what do you do when you feel a migraine coming on or when you can anticipate right. today might be a day where you might have one? So I'm lucky that a class of drug called triptans are quite effective for me. If I'm able to take this medication at the onset of a migraine attack, it's quite effective in stopping it, relieving some of the pain associated 
with it. In my case as well, nausea can be a huge problem. You feel very sick. You may not be able to take oral medication. I think having a nasal spray, it's quite a fast and effective delivery mechanism is, is fantastic. So that's mm. great. Mm. The fact that this drug is yes. available for you and for other <laughs> mm -hmm. people who suffer from migraines is a new in the, option. In the US. Now that's a drug that's doing some pretty serious stuff, but it's delivered via innocuous nasal spray. That's right. My second piece of evidence that the jabby jab is the main reason why people are really against vaccines, not so much the vaccine itself. And this drug is even more controversial. This is yet another nasal spray. Right, okay. And it's Narcan. And what is Narcan supposed to do? So the FDA approves the overdose reversing drug Narcan for over-the-counter sales. Overdose That's reversing right. drug yes. has been approved mm -hmm. and you can buy it over-the-counter. Okay, is in that, the US. In yes. the US. Mm -hmm. It's been approved anyway. I don't mm -hmm. know if it's ready for sale right at this mm -hmm. moment like the new iphone they announced it and it's ready to go i don't know if it's quite that quick this is something that triggers all of those societal phobias around mm -hmm. drug addicts mm -hmm. and addiction and giving them easy access and gateway drugs this is too permissible that they think i can just od because i can take a nasal spray and, and recover from it mm -hmm. again i think it's arrived with that much controversy mm -hmm. i think it's very much viewed as great and that could reflect the society's overall improved dialogue around mm -hmm addiction around mm -hmm. drug overdose and drug misuse. I doubt it. That's my, again, my personal thesis. I think if this was marketed as a sure. needle that you can get to, mm -hmm. to treat the overdose, mm -hmm. I think this would have much more negative connotations. The needle exchange clinics and the, the methadone clinic, they still have a bit of stigma around them, mm -hmm. don't they? The delivery mechanism matters just as much, if not more than what's in the drug that you're taking. People are just a little bit more intimidated. By this, something that injects into their body. This fear of mm -hmm. needles. And I don't know where it comes in. I don't know when in your life you start getting scared of needles, but it is, I guess, quite intimidating, this sharp object. To so draw the parallels between the last drug we talked about, mm -hmm. the CGRP. Yeah, that's right. They block the receptors yes. for that peptide versus this particular drug, naloxone. Mm -hmm. What is its mechanism of action? So a similar mechanism of action mm -hmm. in that it's blocking a receptor. So in this case, an opioid receptor, and it's essentially getting in the way and stopping the drug from binding and having that downstream effect. And the reason for this becoming a mass market product is that overdoses are becoming much more, mm -hmm. more common. It's not mm -hmm. just quote unquote recreational drug use, but it's people who have been to hospital and have had surgery and are addicted to drugs. Pankulas, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. oxy, fentanyl, morphine. Mm -hmm. These are drugs that you would need in hospital to recover. Outside of that scheme, it's very, very expensive mm -hmm. to maintain and people still get addicted to them. And mm -hmm. so overdosing from that is skyrocketing across, mm -hmm. across the world, certainly in the United States. So having this as a, as a nasal spray is actually going to be a life-saving thing. Mm -hmm. Along Absolutely. with this approval, you'll see a lot of documentation around the effective ways of administering this nasal spray. I presume the migraine nasal spray can be more self-administered. Mm -hmm. I would predict that this you can't self-administer that easily if it's in response to OD. Which brings me to crossover of the week and the mm -hmm. final set of articles we'll mm -hmm. talk about today. Probably at one point, the central star of the platform that we're on, mm -hmm. which is both YouTube and the podcasting platforms. This is very topical right now. Very topical. Mm -hmm. Two YouTube stars, mm -hmm. and I guess stars in their own right outside of YouTube in, in this day and age. Logan Paul and Sai put their marketing brands together mm -hmm. and released a whole series of drinks called Prime. Okay. It has been available globally for a little while. The official drink of one of the big sporting leagues, I think UFC, the okay. Ultimate Fighting Championship, endorses them as the official drink mm -hmm. of, the, of the sport. So mm -hmm. it's available globally. It has come to our shores in Australia and triggered a whole bunch of kerfuffle. Well, it's funny because uh, I was quite oblivious to all of this. I'd see occasional posts from, say, Instagrammers I might follow and they'd put a picture of it and say, if you know, you know. I was like, I, oh, I don't really? know. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking what about? Do you mean? And they'd, they'd bought it for their kids. Yes. Because their kids have been desperately trying to source this 
drink. It's banned, right? It's yeah, it, Well, there's one variant that's sold in the supermarkets. In terms of what's hit our shores, mm-hmm. it is some version of two of three mm-hmm. out of these drinks. So there is Prime Hydration. So again, okay. it's great branding, Prime Hydration. <laughs> From what I can see, it's coconut water. Coconut? Okay. With some unique concoction of artificial sweetness. Hopefully artificial not sweet- erythritol. <laughs> Hopefully not erythritol. We have talked about artificial sweetness on the podcast previously. Mm-hmm. See our last episodes about mm-hmm. it and that all the long-term health effects it will have. Mm-hmm. But it's a rehydration drink. Mm-hmm. And there's also a thick version, which is a powdered version of that oh, same drink. Okay. Powerade, Gatorade have the powder right, form. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. seems okay. Like mm-hmm. it depends on the taste, I guess, right? So it depends on the marketing, depends on the taste. The one that is of concern mm-hmm. in Australia, mm-hmm. Prime Energy, which probably okay. has the, the best marketing the best name of more prime energy. Does. So what is in prime energy that causing us Aussies <laughs> to have this huge overreaction someone argue. So it is caffeine. caffeine. A lot of caffeine. A ton of caffeine. Well, how, how much is too much caffeine? Apparently 200 mg of caffeine in 355 mils is double the Australian legal limit of caffeine per 100 mils. 100 mils. It's more, it's over the limit in its pack size, in its right? pack size. Mm. So it's condensed. You could have a bunch of other energy drinks and reach the same amount of caffeine. That can't be regulated. You could drink mm. like four coffees in a row. Yeah. Mm. Eat a number of uh, caffeine beans, coffee beans, and yeah. get it. But it's just within mm-hmm. a drink. But no, I've had those chocolate coated coffee beans. Like they're pretty good. Actually. They're pretty good. They're, they're pretty, pretty good. nice. The Australian legal limit apparently seems to be lower than what's in the United States. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can buy this in Australia. The energy version has been banned. The energy version, mm-hmm. the hydration versions appear mm-hmm. to be pretty innocuous. It's just yeah. good branding, but mm-hmm. otherwise pretty innocuous. This is double the legal limit of caffeine mm-hmm. per 100 milliliters. Yeah. Uh, 100 milliliters is about half to a third of the size of a can of Coke because you're not really well used milliliters i guess the danger in this is how popular it is among kids <laughs> right kids are doing crazy things to get these drinks and it takes like medicine it takes like mm. cough syrup or something dr pepper had a real yeah heyday here in it, the mid-1990s it did, it, did you ever drink dr pepper i did i was okay with it because I, I hated it so it was terrible you hated it well yeah. as kids we took what we could get very much a love affair with all things american product you know during the mid-90s when when i was growing up at least and and the pepsi yeah. versus coke debate is it a debate anymore <laughs> it's not debate anymore but pepsi is still around mm-hmm. but it's still drink. love you coke zero you what? non-erythritol based drink oh yeah it's a spartan, no, a spartan. They, they came out and very clearly said no no, no we're not erythritol coca-cola we, my coke zero. Yep. we drink off-brand cola a lot like we just took what we yeah, get as kids was it, was it a brand like a kmart yeah kmart in australia cola. i want to say it was like an australia brand cola it could have been it, it was, it was yeah, off-brand it was, cola yeah. which we'll just take what we can get what is popular with kids these mm-hmm. days. I find it impossible to predict. I can't predict. But like the trends. So this yeah. is unbelievably popular. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for a can of drink, you would probably think it's in a can. I can buy it in bulk. Hopefully I'm not spending more than two to three bucks per can on the resale market. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just like PlayStations mm-hmm. and sneakers. It's like cans of drink. Who wants to buy a used can of drink? <laughs> People are paying like $20, $30, yeah. $40 for wow, a can of drink. I'm in the wrong field. We've got to up our versatility and our employability. Start selling prime energy drink. We've got to leapfrog mm-hmm. the box that they're putting us in mm-hmm. and i think that is why it has become banned in australia is mm-hmm. that it's become so popular with kids even if they can't buy the super super caffeinated version mm-hmm. of it in stores yeah you could buy it online and it's not going to help is it unfortunately banning it it's not going to help it's probably just going to make it more popular i think already has already has so. and many kids won't have heard of it until mm-hmm. they see their parents listening to the headline on the drive home on radio mm-hmm. prime and it drinks banned oh, it must be cool it's banned <laughs> like rock and roll what's going on i'm gonna go find out more <laughs> about it roll, like it's like very edgy <laughs> yes yeah, so this is our <laughs> version of rock and roll right now but i don't think kids listen to rock and roll these days so no. it's, it's their version <laughs> like rock and roll would be very very corny <laughs> 
They'll listen to hardcore rap say, or hip hop. I don't think they say rock and roll, no. That brings me to the question, mm. how much caffeine is too much caffeine? And is this really that bad? Sometimes I test this limit every day. Test this limit every day. So I guess no one really likes the idea of kids drinking mm-hmm. that much coffee. Mm-hmm. But it's not illegal. Mm-hmm. Right? It's bad parenting, sure. Mm-hmm. But it's not technically legal for them to drink a ton of coffee. It's just if all their friends are doing That's it. Right. And it's then, just about how much it contains per meal, right? And young people are mm-hmm. just knuckleheads. They might like really go hard. They might have like four or five of these sugary okay. drinks yeah, in well, a row. Yeah, no idea. You um, just drink $80 worth. In Australia, we call, call them Alco Pops, right? So the alcoholic drinks that are very sugary as well. Yep, and there was like a tax on it mm-hmm. because we want to discourage people thinking alcohol is like sugary drinks. You can just keep like going, going, yeah. going. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's a similar patronizing big brother mindset. Yeah, that we can't trust right. these young people to do their own things. So we're mm-hmm. going to pose these extra rules. Do a few coffee beans. As you're doing that, it's having the counter effect mm-hmm. of spurring them on to think, oh, it's prohibited. It's exciting. It must be good for a reason. <laughs> and that shows the power of, of YouTube and these YouTubers mm-hmm. as that mm-hmm. marketing brand behind it, yeah. which again reinforces the idea that we are making the wrong kind of videos. We're not getting free sunscreen. We're not yeah. getting energy drink endorsements. No, I know. We're Hope not... Zero still hasn't sent me anything. <laughs> no, and, and we're not getting sponsored by any of the big drug companies to no. talk about their products. That's Society of Australia if it exists, certainly. No, we're not going to with us. <laughs> we're not going to get hired as a PR company for either bats or the jabby jab vaccine. Yeah. So we're in the wrong business on every front. Wrong business. If we weren't in this overarching mm-hmm. regulated environment of all the drinks that you want, caffeinated or otherwise, what is caffeine actually doing to us? Mm-hmm. Right? We all drink caffeine every day. We drink coffee every day. Certainly, kids when they're young maybe shouldn't drink as much. Probably for the parents' sanity more than anything else. <laughs> Can you imagine coffee. a on caffeine? What is terrible. coffee doing to us mm-hmm. at the molecular level? Mm-hmm. And there is some interesting parallels to the other drugs we talked about in this episode. It comes down to fundamentally receptors in our cells receiving signals. Mm-hmm. And if that signal is blocked, then some function is slowed changed. down, changed, mm-hmm. or delayed. Mm-hmm. And so what is the receptor that caffeine targets? Mm-hmm. Adenosine receptor. So eventually adenosine binds to its receptor, parts of cells that receive signals, as we discussed, which tells the cell to slow down, making us feel drowsy and sleepy. So adenosine is having this effect on the receptor. It's why you feel tired after a big day of activity. While we're sleeping, energy use drops. It lowers adenosine levels as it gets shuffled back into other forms. You wake up in the morning feeling refreshed. you get enough sleep if you get enough sleep caffeine's working by binding to the adenosine receptor and stopping adenosine having that effect on its receptor you'd be amazed by how much of our biological function is dictated Mm -hmm. by receptors yes and not just what happens to receptors while they're still on the outside of the cell Mm -hmm. the whole people dedicates decades of their lives to finding out where that receptor goes into the cell once it's receives the signal signaling is what it binds to there are these images and diagrams that have been endorsed by these scientific societies societies mm-hmm. to say this is what happens when this receptor is activated mm-hmm. and those diagrams are drawn i think entirely as an fu i think they draw <laughs> it just to say you they imbecile. are huge diagrams yeah. you imbeciles mm-hmm. do you not know the complexity of life yeah. itself and it'll be called a simplified schematic you'll have little arrows everywhere <laughs> really to showcase how complex life mm-hmm. is because these receptors they cross react mm-hmm. activating one receptor can have indirect effects on other receptors once the receptors go inside the cell they could get receptors cycled straight mm-hmm. back up or mm-hmm. they could get degraded or they could get rerouted via postal service inside the cell to different compartments
happens, that sorting works incorrectly. Mm-hmm. If your UPS or FedEx cell driver gets lost, your whole <laughs> cell could just kill itself. You know, like it's it's that serious. Yeah, that's so right. much of biology mm-hmm. boils down to this. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that as a as a biased molecular biologist. We yeah, think it's it comes more out. complicated than you would ever think. The thesis of this article is mm-hmm. that coffee is just borrowing some energy. It's not mm-hmm. creating new energy from scratch. If you keep drinking coffee, you will sure. feel alert for an amount of time. After a while, it will catch up. Yeah, that you, effect will stop. On caffeine mm-hmm. binges will relate and empathize with that sentiment. I, I try and have some versatility in my caffeine intake. Different versions of you know, I start with a cup of tea in the morning and feel very refined and then I get to work. Time for coffee. Time for coffee. My boss might come for a walk with me and we'll get coffee. Get coffee, that's very I'll nice. look at her and I'll just go, coffee? Time for a coffee. And she goes, yes, coffee. And then by 2pm you're rubbing it into your gums. You're <laughs> rubbing quite. around up coffee pieces into your gums. No, by 2pm it's normally the Coke Zero. Oh, the Coke Zero? Yeah. And then at night time I'm actively, I want all the caffeine removed from my drink through questionable chemical processes. Chemical you know, processes. What, what kinds of things by drinking decaf? There's a siren going on in the background. I think there someone is, is objecting to your questionable to caffeine practices. <laughs> the prime energy vendors are coming after us after bad mouth. microbats that are hiding in your jacket collection. It's all the bats and the vaccines and the, the lobbyists for yeah. the big pharma that's coming for us. Final question we're trying to ask today is that idea of, yes, if you keep drinking caffeine, you're borrowing energy mm-hmm. from your future self. And at one point in mm-hmm. time, you will feel that lack of energy and how that's explainable at the molecular level Mm -hmm. is very neat because what's happening is that if it blocks the adenosine from binding to the receptor that is not a irreversible block and it shouldn't be if it was it'd be really scary right just just block a receptor (laughs) from working forever so all the adenosine is still lying around Mm -hmm. right it's building up Mm -hmm. and what often happens is that if something binds the receptor it gets degraded or that signal is tamped down after mm-hmm. it's bound. Mm-hmm. But if it can't actually bind, it doesn't just disappear. It's just hanging around. Yes. And so you will have the caffeine wear off after a while, mm-hmm. hopefully. Rub your coffee beans into your, <laughs> into your gums into the early hours of the morning. It's in a dragon. Right now. <laughs> if you keep chasing the proverbial yeah, dragon. for my next caffeine hit. That adenosine will just keep building up mm-hmm. and then it will overwhelm, like in any competitive mm-hmm. system, it will overwhelm the antagonists that yes. are trying to there to block the receptor and then it will just mm-hmm. keep hitting the receptor again and again. I feel impossibly tired. Impossibly tired. <laughs> that could be a, a stupor you don't wake up from. Been studied for exams or if you're just coming mm-hmm. off really long shifts. Mm-hmm. from work it takes a while to recover from that mm-hmm. right it's not just overnight i remember in my uni exam they were giving out free red bulls like red bull promotional fans i don't know if that's still happening but, but they're not going to give yeah. out prime energy no, drinks no they won't but although yeah. i guess they can't ban it if you're an adult so, right? during during exam period they were giving out freebies i never drank it i never took it because i was worried yeah. i'd need to use the bathroom in the middle of the exam i'm not at all very adventurous in this kind of stuff yeah. but i think i had some energy drinks that my dad had my dad's much more adventurous in this kind of stuff he'd <laughs> drink and eat any kind of thing so <laughs> I would have some of this energy drink before mm. I went to play basketball. Right, okay. I played basketball yep. back in the day. Mm-hmm. And then I was playing the game. I was like, man, why am I feeling so tired so mm-hmm. easily? And I think it really accelerates right. all the processes. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. first five minutes of the session, I was mm-hmm. feeling great. But then I was like, man, I feel really tired and my heart's beating really fast. Right. So I think it has all these uh, unintended consequences mm-hmm. if you're very young and not really sure of how to regulate your intake of certain yeah, things. Your body's still developing. Not a good idea. Not, not a good idea. So mm-hmm. I guess if there's one takeaway from data is that mm-hmm. much of biological functionality comes mm-hmm. down to receptors yes. at the cell level. Mm-hmm. And again, I'll bring that diagram up on screen to show you just how complex it really is. Mm-hmm. This is not an invitation for you to read the primary literature on all the different <laughs> signaling factors and receptors, but much of the headlines around new drugs can mm-hmm. be passed through that lens. How is mm-hmm. it interacting 
with ourselves. That's right. And the more information you're equipped with as a, as a citizen, if mm -hmm. not a scientifically literate citizen, then that's a good framework to understand any of the new things that are being advertised. Yeah, that's and right. Something like the prime energy drink, where mm -hmm. you break it down, it's kind of mm -hmm. just caffeine. And we all kind of hopefully have some common sense about how much coffee we should have, Maybe energy drinks. I clearly don't. Maybe you don't. <laughs> you're not rubbing caffeine to your gums like Amanda is. The main remit of this mm -hmm. podcast is for everyone to demystify how complex science might really be mm -hmm. and what are the casual entrance points of knowledge to grapple with seemingly very complex ideas mm. in, in science. I'll be honest, now I'm curious about this prime drink. I don't think I want to fork out $20 a can. But it's I like, bet it's so sweet and tastes disgusting. Well, for our no. listeners, I will mm. try and track down a can really? of prime hydration. Do well, you want to drink it on the next podcast? Well, we so. might get a heap more views just by the hydration version. Well, we can't even get the other I don't version. have any box to spare right now. And that brings us to the end of another episode of The Crossover Connections with Jack Wayne. You can watch the full episodes on YouTube as well as via any podcast player of your choice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Thanks for listening, watching along. My name is Jack. And I'm Amanda. And I hope to connect with you again next episode. <laughs>